Hi everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a show dedicated to young believers pursuing the goal of healthy marriage and family. You know, we live in a world where getting married and starting a family is far too often postponed for longer than God designed and pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things. But the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As young believers, we have the choice to prioritize what matters most in our lives every day and to live face to face with God and others. Every Thursday and Sunday on this show, I'll be sharing research, conducting interviews, and reviewing articles on the importance of marriage and family for society. I'll also be releasing exclusive content such as spoken word poetry, allegorical short stories, and bonus episodes for subscribers. Friends, God did not set us up to live life alone. The truth of the matter is that every minute of your adult life that you wait to marry is a minute of your life that you're not spending with your life partner. While some might be content to live with the consequences of this arrangement, I would argue that those who wish to spend as much of their life as possible with their mate are perfectly within reason and soundness of value to do so. It is my deepest hope that this podcast inspires Generation Z to pursue marriage, become the best spouses and parents the world has ever seen, serve with furious intentionality, love well, and discover the joy of hanging the moon for another. To access my sources, subscribe to the show, or get your copy of my latest book, visit anchor.fm slash seth-hensley or check out the show notes of each episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 78 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. Super excited for the content we've got planned out for you guys today. As always, this is a show about prioritizing marriage and family as goals for young believers and making sure relationships stays as a central goal for us. And today I've got a really cool article that I'm going to be reviewing for you guys. How many of you, if, if you're listening to this show, you've probably heard the phrase, opposites attract. And today we're going to be reviewing and kind of detailing just how accurate that is, as well as um, going over the opinion of one author on the internet who's published an article on the subject. So I'm really excited to get into this. The article we're going to be reviewing is by Sean Taylor, and it was published on June 10th of 2013. He is part of Cornerstone staff. They're a Christian, Christian counseling organization. And the article title is entitled, Plain Old Opposites Attract. <clears throat> and um, I have mixed feelings and thoughts about that expression. I think it's really commonly used in today's culture, and uh, it, people either really, really disagree with it or they are super on board with it, probably based on their own experience in marriage. <laughs> so I'm going to kind of kind of tread lightly on this subject, but I'm also going to express what I think. As always, I'm not going to um, just not say what I think based on you know the experience of people that I see. I have an experience as well that needs to be shared, so I'm going to go ahead and share that on this show. Let's go ahead and get into this article, though. It's an all-too-familiar saying in relationships and one that can spell trouble years into marriage. So right off the bat, this author is taking a cautious, at least, approach of it. Uh, continuing on, being 12 years into a marriage myself, I can honestly say that we have had our struggles and our laughs along the way. Splendor versus saver, intro versus extrovert, dreamer versus planner, wanting five kids versus three kids, we compromised at four, strong-willed versus laid-back, spontaneous versus delayed gratification, surface cleaning versus deep cleaning, and most obvious and challenging, man versus woman. These are the first ones that come to my mind over the years. I'm sure many more could be listed even if it weren't listed if it weren't midnight. Oh yeah, that reminds me of procrastinator versus work ahead. <laughs> the great little start there. Um just kind of detailing all the common differences that men and women have in relationships as well as the difference that men and women have uh, in and of themselves. Men and women are very different. Something I would say there though, um you know, anybody who's in a marriage or any kind of relationship at all will tell you that men and women are not the same. They are not the same. They're uh, different creatures. Um, 
there, there, there are really striking differences. But something that I would point out to you that perhaps you might not have heard and that I've heard recently from Jordan Peterson is that men and women have more in common than they have things, areas where they are different. Think about it for a minute. Men and women have more in common. They are more similar than they are different. They are more similar than they are different. When you think of the needs that men and women have, those far outnumber the ways that we are different from one another. We are very similar in the sense of we are uh, not only human, but we are um, very, our, our innate human needs are very much the same. That now sometimes they can occasionally occasionally be met in different ways, but really our, our, we have more similarities than we do differences, men and women do. And if you, if you begin to think about it, if you devote some uh, just 10 minutes of time thinking about or even less than that maybe two just two minutes of your of your life to think about how many similarities you can come up with between men and women you'll come up with a laundry list of things whereas if you try to look for the differences you'll probably come up with those really quickly but there won't be that many it's the common cliche difference differences between men and women that you hear uh you know through your internet scrolling a lot and those are true i'm not going to undermine the importance and the differences between men and women but I am saying that we, we, I do agree with Jordan Peterson in that we have more, we're more alike than we are different. Men and women are. Hi guys, this is just a quick reminder that you can use the link in the show notes to send me a voice message with a comment or a question. So that's something really important to keep in mind here throughout this article on Opposites Attract. But continuing on here, why do we tend to be attracted to someone who is so different? I believe God has a specific and strategic purpose in all this. So this begs the question, what was God up to when he created us? It's obvious that Adam was in full connect communion with God prior to the creation of Eve. Was Adam dissatisfied with only having the very God of the universe to hang out with? Surely not. But God knew Adam needed one to come alongside, to have companionship with, and one to make him a more complete man. Enter Eve, a creation quite different in thought, bodily structure, and role in life than Adam. With these differences come completedness for both of them. God didn't make a mistake when he created woman. God knew Adam needed a helper, a life giver with whom to share life. God also knew that Eve would look, think, and react in ways Adam did not. These differences likely attracted Adam to her. He had quite the surprise next to him when he woke up from his deep sleep. This was all part of God's plan. Something he said there at the beginning um, about he he kind of detailed that that common Christian argument of God is enough. God is enough for you, and you don't need anything else. Uh, we've addressed that 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 argument on this show before. And, and while God is absolutely enough for every person in the world, God, there is a reason that God decided not to make it that way. So you cannot just go without a spouse and say God is enough. I can do it. I can make it alone. Uh, and and you know, a lot of people say that to give themselves feelings of moral superiority. Uh, they say that to make themselves. Uh, seem like better Christians. They say that to make themselves seem like they're only relying on God as if that's some, you know, good idea when in reality, God is really wanting you to rely on a lot more than him. And he's designing you to rely on a lot more than him, namely your wife, food, water. Uh, there are things that you're not intended to go without. God did not me- intend you to go without these things. So when you do, um, you're really kind of going against the way God designed you. And that in no way gives you a position of moral superiority or makes you a better Christian. So that's what I would say to that. Um, moving on though, let's continue with this article. In my counseling experience, there are two ways to respond to the opposites of your spouse. Number one, resent the other person for being so different. Second, guess yourself by pondering if you made the right choice in marrying your spouse. <laughs> Spend a lifetime trying to change your spouse to fit your idea of who, who he or she should be. That's funny. All those are funny. 
Or number two, accept and embrace your differences as a blessing from God. He should always know what you need and who you'll need in your life. Use your spouse's differences to enhance your thinking, behavior, and overall quality of your life. Allow yourself to be sharpened, quote unquote, by your spouse. Allow your differences to become strengths within your marriage. Four or five years into our marriage, with the same argument repeating itself, we addressed the root issue of our problem, selfishness. Hi, guys. I want to take a quick break and tell you about an opportunity that you guys have as listeners to become subscribers of this podcast. Now, in order to become a sub, all you have to do is follow the subscribe link in the show notes found in the description of each episode. And when you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusive material, including additional interviews, all of my spoken word poetry pieces, all of my dramatized allegorical short stories, and even more of my article readings. Okay, so lots of content will be available to you that won't be available to anyone else. Subscribing to the show only costs five dollars a month, which is less than most people spend on their lunch at work every day. Okay, so you won't even notice it disappearing from your bank account. If you enjoy listening to the show and you're looking for an opportunity to financially support the content you care about, this is your chance. Okay, follow the link in the show notes to become a sub. Thank you so much for choosing this show to listen to. And now, without further ado, let's get back to the episode. Through selfishness, I wanted her to change, to be more like me, to stifle her dreams, spontaneity, and creativity. What was resent, you know, uh, Danny Silk has a wonderful quote uh, in his relational counseling. He says that everybody is trying to turn everybody else into themselves. <laughs> so it's just, uh, when you go through life and you meet people and you try to turn them into you, um, Number one, you're just going to be really lonely because without any difference whatsoever, it's very monotonous and boring. Um, but also, like, think of the selfishness of that perspective. I have, you're really saying that you are the best. You're really saying that you are the best and that nobody has anything to bring to the table that you don't. Um, so why not get rid of everything that is anybody else and turn them into you? And that is just a profoundly, uh, dysfunctional way to go about your life and your relationships, I think, because it, just the arrogance of assuming that other people don't have things to offer you and that you already have everything you need from just yourself is just self, it's just prideful, it's arrogant, um, totally antithetical to the gospel, which, you know, is all about community and coming together under the common banner of Christ and um, serving one another. You know, thinking you have it all together, thinking you have all the answers, thinking you have everything you need, thinking you are the epitome of, uh, you know, Christian values on the earth is just not, it's not being teachable, right? Uh, Jesus was teachable and he was the best teacher that ever walked the earth. So that tells you something. You can always learn things from other people around you. Um, and, and that's God's son. That's God himself modeling. That's, that's one of the members of the Trinity modeling teachability, teachability and the ability to teach others for us. So that's definitely something that we need to do um, in our lives. And Danny Silk said, uh, has a wonderful quote that he says, if you limit yourself to yourself, if you surround yourself with yourself, you limit yourself to yourself. And I think that's just an awesome quote. We need to have people who are different than us around us, surrounding us. So I think that is a, a, a kind of a, a mark on the side of opposites attract being a good argument. I think that kind of stand, that's a principle that stands in alignment with opposites attract, but there's some, it's more complicated than that as, as we'll see. Let's go ahead and get into this article though. I will tell you my opinion as we get further in four or five years into our marriage with the same argument repeating itself. 
four to five into our marriage, four to five years into our marriage with the same argument repeating itself. We addressed the root cause of our problem, selfishness. Though through selfishness, I wanted her to change, to be more like me, to stifle her dreams, spontaneity and creativity. What was resentment at the time turned into an opportunity for growth and understanding for me a deeper love and respect for my wife. You see, God knew what he was doing when he gave me the gift of my wife, just as he did with Adam and Eve. It is my job to bring out the best in her, just as Christ desires to bring out the best in all of us. When the Bible says to husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, all selfishness is placed aside. Christ genuinely wants the best for us, and we want to do the same for our spouse. That's awesome. Top marks to that. So the next time your spouse wants a night on the town and you want a quiet night at home, replace that urge to resent with an opportunity to thank God for the blessing of your differences. Use the situation to communicate each other's needs and find a a compromise along the way. You will be more in love each day with that strategy besides how boring and or chaotic would life be if you were married to a clone of yourself anyway um that's kind of the thing that i pointed out and he didn't really address that's the end of the article by the way he didn't really address the um concerns that i have with the argument of opposites attract so i'll just go ahead and do that for you here opposites attract i've heard um said and i agree with it and i've also heard it said where i disagree with it and here's the difference some couples that i know are very different they have a happy marriage they've worked for that happy marriage they've worked out their differences um they've and opposites attract in one sense has a really good meaning for us right because you do get things that you don't have in an opposites attract relationship um for example you when you sometimes we are drawn to people who have things that we don't do not who can bring things to the table that we cannot that's a healthy way of looking at relationship right somebody other people have other things that you cannot offer that's right that's just a basic understanding of differences and and different people have different skills and strengths and um that's awesome right now um where I think the opposites attract argument gets into murky water and becomes something that can be uh, not a good mantra to base your relationships off of, and your especially your particularly your selection of a partner off of, is when it seems to suggest that you should not have anything in common with your partner. And that is something that I've seen do damage to relationships, right? When if you marry somebody or, you know, pursue a relationship with somebody who is totally not interested in anything you're interested in, um, totally not even going the same direction as you in life, that can be a problem, right? That's not an opposites attract in the sense of personality. That's an opposites attract in the sense of mission. And I would say opposites attract personality can work great. You know, personality opposites attract is a totally true principle. Now, opposites attract when it comes to mission and vision and life purpose, though that is a non-negotiable. You should not be pursuing a relationship, I would say, with somebody who's going north when you're going east or south or something. You know what I'm saying? Uh, compromising your life mission, the reason God puts you on this earth, your purpose, your um, vision for your future, uh, your vision for a healthy family, your vision for children, your vision for grandchildren and a multi-generational dynasty of a family. That's not something to compromise. Um, definitely your faith would fall in that box. So if somebody's not a believer and they're going this way and you're going the complete opposite way, that's not going to work. That's not something where opposites attract. That's something where uh, you have opposite vision. You have opposite purpose. You have opposite uh, mission. So you're not going to be able to, to that's, that's what scripture would call being unequally yoked. Um, now I do think there is, so I do think there is something to be said for having a certain degree of similarities and commonalities, um, to your partner. And even in non, um, you know, the grand scheme ways, like even the non, not the big issues, think about the ways, 
uh, it could be helpful to be similar to your partner. So for example, if you have similar interests, if you have shared uh, hobbies, if you have shared um, uh, enjoyments, if you enjoy the sa- doing the same type of thing, that's going to be a quality time bonding opportunity for sure. Uh, naturally, you won't have to create that since you're already both on fire about this subject, whatever it is then you're naturally both going to gravitate towards that and therefore it'll be really natural to build a bond there and spend quality time together without trying. It'll be effortless in a sense. Um, So that's one of the things, again, I would say, you know, marrying, and that kind of carries over into the physical realm too, you know, marrying somebody that's opposite of your uh, vision of what you're attracted to is not a good idea because then, you know, when when troubles come, that attraction is not going to be there to make your, you know, uh, reconciliation more effortless. So I would say that it's really important to have certain specific similarities. For example, I would say it's really important to uh, be attracted to your spouse, period. So whether that be somebody who's opposite you or similar to you, it's really important. The, the attract word is key there for me. You have to be attracted to your spouse, guys. And we're young we're young believers. As, as I said, that's my target audience listening to this show. We're growing up and pursuing the goal of marriage. Some of us are already there. Some of us are on the road to get there. Um and I would say that attraction word is super key. You have to be attracted to your spouse. Um, if that if that person is opposite to you in personality, great. If that person person is similar to you in personality, great. Um, if that person has an opposite vision for their future than you, I would say that is a red flag. Uh, maybe don't pursue that. If a person has is opposite to you in uh, interest, then maybe just be aware. You have to be able to spend time together and bond, right? So if, if you're not going to be able to do that with a person who's doing, you know, spending their time this way because they love this thing, um, you might want to consider not doing that. You know, I've seen that really get in the way of couples uh, who have gotten married. I'm not saying that it's insurmountable, like it's an insurmountable problem. You can totally spend time together doing things even when you both aren't interested in something, um, but it's just harder. It takes more effort, right? It's going to be effortless if you both enjoy doing things and you both uh, can come together there and build build a bond through those things. So that's what I would say to the opposite attract argument. I hope that guy that has helped you guys answer your question. A while ago, I put out a poll on Instagram and somebody actually asked about opposites attract and kind of the principle there, if it was a true principle or something that had popped up like a lie in modern Christianity that wasn't really true at all. Um, and again, I would say I've seen marriages where the personality of the participants in the marriage are very opposite. And I've seen marriage marriages where the uh, the two spouses are very similar, right? So it's not like it's a hard and fast rule one way, the, one way or the other. But again, I would say it's very important to have a shared vision, a shared faith. It's very important to, well, it's super helpful. I'll say it's super helpful to have shared interest. And it's absolutely critical that the attract be there. The attract is the key word and opposites attract for me. If you're not attracted to the person, you don't need to be marrying that person. Why would you do that? That's kind of the thesis that I go back to over and over here. If you're not marrying your best friend, right? I mean, you are, you can be, but that you have to, it has to be more than best friends. A marriage is not just best friends, guys. A marriage is attraction. It's romance. It's uh, the friendship, the unshakable friendship. Yes, but it's also more than that. It, the Greek words of love, think of the Greek words of love, those eros, storge, um, agape, all of those need to be, the, at least eros and agape kind of need to be present in a marriage, right? Um, and for if you're interested in learning more about the, the words of love that I just used there, C.S. Lewis has a phenomenal bo- book entitled The Four Loves. And if you listen to it on audiobook, which is what I did, you actually get to hear C.S. Lewis's voice. It's one of the only preserved 
copies of his his own voice reading his own work that we have today. So it was really just a blessing for me to be able to hear that. It's on Audible. It's entitled again, The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. And you get to hear him read aloud his work in his own voice, which is super, super cool. Um, and again, C.S. Lewis is just a genius. So I would highly recommend you listening to his work, even if you don't agree with him. C.S. Lewis did have some weird beliefs, um, like I'm discovering many many believers do in the world. Um, but I just love everything that he, he says. Um, so I would recommend that book. Thank you guys so much for listening today. If you have enjoyed it, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen, a five-star rating and a written review. You can also give me feedback by pushing the link in the show notes of every episode and sending me a recorded message in your own voice. I love to hear from you guys. It makes me feel more connected to my audience. Thank you so much for considering doing that. If this show blesses you, it gives you insight into specific aspects of Generation Z and the marriage situation of today, reach out and send me a message in your own voice. It makes me feel super connected to you. You can also... Uh, Follow us on social media at Restoring Rapport on Facebook and Instagram. So thank you guys so much for listening today, and we will talk to you next time.